Awesome. Thank you. Hey, first of all, thank you for the obedience, yeah? It's just awesome to hear prophecy and work, and, and, and it's such an honor to be a part of people being obedient to God's word. So thank you, and thank you, Ruth, for that honesty and that obedience, because um, that is really powerful. Um, and I've now forever got an image of a pregnant lady in active wear ch- chasing me down as I go running next week. <laughs> You can do anything in active wear. It's the new thing. <laughs> um, yeah, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open in prayer um, because while we're on prophetic word and vision, the, the, I just echo so much of, of what you were saying, Ruth, and, and through the prophets. And um, hopefully some of that's going to speak in through the message that I've got here this, this evening uh, about I-58. And I-58 is not about me, hey? So why I'm here now is because I-58's about you guys, and I'm going to share some of what some of the people are doing, and may get Phil back up here again to share some of the stuff that he's been doing and some others, because it's not about me. Yeah, it's not about us, huh? This is about him and the gospel and the simple message of the gospel. So uh, let's just pray. Father in heaven, we thank you. We thank you for the opportunity to meet together, to fellowship together to share your word. We thank you, Lord, that you know who we are. You know what the end story is. You knew it before it began. You knew that we would need Jesus, and it's such a simple story, the gospel. We thank you for the grace that we all experience through his death on the cross. We may never understand that, but we believe in it and we thank you for it. You know, I want to vision that change right now. Vision that change in this church. And if you would just share with me now this vision, and just as you close your eyes here, picture this church filled to overflowing. We shared this with the prayer group before, and it was so clear to me. This church just overflowing, not enough seats, floor space taken, and just vision, Glory City, Darwin, just bursting out the doors and going forth and that that's what's happening in all the churches across Darwin that the doors are bursting and that you you Lord are sit at the front of that revolution that wave of people building going into communities churches in communities overflowing and we just vision that Lord and we pray that word and I pray it over this church this morning Lord I just ask uh, this this evening I just ask Lord that you be present in the word. This is not me. This is not my message. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you be in all the hearts here tonight, that each and every one of these people would hear the word that they need to hear in their hearts. We pray that in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Hey, thank you, guys. Thank you, Dave and Ruth. Yeah, it's, it's an honor to be here. Yeah, it's, it's just trust to hand over the microphone to, to the flock. Yeah, so I thank you. I thank you for, for entrusting me with this word. I thought of a hundred different ways to start this tonight, but I know Dave likes a joke. So I'm going to try a couple out here, yeah, before we start. Huh? <laughs> so the first one here is about the young pastor and the senior pastor, yeah? And the young pastor is looking up to, he's the youth pastor, he's looking up to the senior pastor and he says to him, you know, I'd really like to thank you above and everything else for teaching me 
what the word much means. It means a lot. <laughs> Come on, catch up, catch up. <laughs> Is that in line with his usual jokes? Okay, cool, cool. This second one I stole from J. John, but it's a cool story, yeah? This is a cool story. And it's, a, it, it, it's about the power of prayer, yeah? So what I want to do is picture the pastor and his family just at their, their, their family. It's gathered together around this new cat. They're loving over this pet cat. It's beautiful. But this morning, this cat runs outside and goes up the tree, and it's stuck up in the tree. This pastor comes out and he looks, he says, how am I going to fix this? What am I going to do? And he's thinking, he's thinking, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get, I've got an idea, this is a brainwave. I'm going to back my car up, I'm going to get this bit of cable, I'm going to put it up to the tree and I'm just going to drive forward a little bit, bend the tree down, they'll be able to grab the cat. So he grabs this car, it's working, he pulls the trees coming down, trees coming down, then the tree snaps and the cat goes across the neighbourhood, disappears. Ah, oh, no, he thinks my children are devastated. What am I going to do? Anyway, weeks pass, a couple of weeks pass, and he's doing a pastoral visit. He comes to this lady's house. He opens the door, and sure enough, he walks in. There's the cat. He thinks, I've got to be careful about how I approach this. He says, uh, that's a really lovely cat you've got there. She says, you won't believe it, Pastor. I want to have a cat. He goes, oh, really? Tell me more about this. He said, well, the other, she said, the other day I was outside. And I was with my daughter, and she said to me, Mom, I really want a cat. She said, I don't want a cat. So she says, I'm going to be smart about this. She says, okay, if you really, really want a cat, pray for it. You will not believe what happened, Pastor. <laughs> yes. So the moral of that story is sometimes we pray and coincidences happen, yeah? <laughs> so let's keep praying. All right. I'm sorry about that. Sorry about that. All right. Um, I... I I'd love to share this story, and there's a bit to it. Now, I just want to reiterate here, yeah, before we even start. I-58, and we'll get into more of it, is not about me. I-58 is about you, and it's about the community that we can all work in. So I really hope today that some of you will connect into the notion. Some of you already have here, and it's an inspiration. This church is an inspiration. You guys are awesome. And I think before we start, we need to do this speaking in prophetic word. Just turn to the person next to you. First of all, tell them that they're awesome, yeah? That's a Pentecostal word, by the way. We own that. You're awesome, yeah? Secondly, God's got a word for you, yeah? Prophesy that over the people. God's got a word for you. So the title of this message, and, and for those that in church and others that have already heard this, forgive me, I'll try and change it up a little bit. What is God asking you to do? Just as a primer, yeah, at the end of this message, there'll be an opportunity and I'll pray. I'll pray with you, yeah? So don't be surprised at the end if we do that. Start thinking about it now. And as God speaks to you through this, start thinking about it because prayer is powerful. We've just learned that. Who here knows exactly what God's asking them to do? A couple? That's awesome. I'm going to come and learn your secret. You know, this is one of the most unanswered questions across all churches when it's asked. This is the great question that's on everyone. I come into pastors all the time. I, I just want the word from God. I want to know what God's asking me to do. I'm hoping today that that's something that's going to come to you. 
Yeah, just a, just a niggling of it. All right? And it may not be what you expect when we first start here. What I'd like to do throughout this message is I'm going to give you some things. We're going to start with just a couple of little primers. But I want you to put these things in what I call the thought locker. Just pop them out here. Write them down if you're that way inclined. Vision them, but put them in there. The first one I want you to do is I want you to do the other... I want you to have a look at the other 316. 2 Timothy 316. Who's quickest on their app? Let's go. Bring it out. What does it say? 2 Timothy 316. Who's got it? See if paper beats digital. (laughs) Someone got it? Let's go. Shout it out. This is a youth group. Yeah, go for it. Stand up so we can all hear it. What does it say? Yeah. Did everyone hear that? All scripture is God breathed. Just repeat the first word in that verse. All. Come on with me. All. Yeah. So some of what's written in the Bible is really important. Yeah. Now, come on. Let's go. Let's get with it. All. All Scripture is God-breathed, all Scripture, from beginning to end, from the start of Genesis right through. It's God-breathed. It's got the Holy Spirit in it. Okay, so lock that one away in your thought locker, all Scripture. Do you know that Jesus is on every page, in every story, in every parable of the Bible, from the beginning of Genesis right through? Now, we could do a whole sermon on this about where the gospel begins to be preached. But I'm telling you now, the gospel has begun to be preached in Genesis, and it goes all the way through. Jesus is on every page. Just put that in your thought locker. Stick it there. Stick it there. Okay? James 2.17. This is the other thought locker one, right? We're just getting warmed up. I'll read this one out. Thus also faith by itself if it does not have works, is dead. All right, let's just break that down for a second. I want to get stuck on it. If it, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. All right, let's not break down our story. We know what grace is. We know that. We know that we are saved and have eternal life through the grace of God. Hey, hallelujah. When we're talking about testimonies, my goodness, I am here today only by the grace of God. Yeah? And I know I'm not alone. What does this mean? Grace by works alone is, faith by works alone is dead. Okay? In in the Septuagint, when when we go in and we have a look at this, what it's talking about is spiritual death. Spiritual death. So what we need to be doing is we need to live out that grace. Yeah? When we have the grace of Jesus in us, we can't but help to do the works. Yeah? Don't let the enemy hem you back in. Because any time that you are not working in that grace, it's because you're listening to that voice. A little leaven, yeah? Leaven's the whole loaf. loaf. Yeah, you with me? Just a little bit. Leaven the whole loaf. So that's the first one. This speaks directly to what we, and I'll talk a little bit about who I am and what I do for a living. This is about mindset, okay? I lecture on combat thinking and combat and survival thinking, and everything comes down to mindset. The 
the, the height of sports coaching now. There's so much that physical fitness and training will take. Those that reach elite, elite levels, it's about mindset. This verse, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead, is about mindset. And we're going to talk more about that. Put that one in your thought locker. All right? The next one's a question. If God spoke to you right now, would you do what he said? Yeah? Is there anybody here? God came down right now and sat next to you and spoke inside of your ear and said, do this. Would you do it? Is there anybody in here who would say, ah, yeah, no, thank you? No? Right? He's speaking to you all the time, every day. What's he saying? Okay, do you know he's giving you instructions all the time? Remember, that's in your thought locker. Stick it there. You've all said, you've all committed to the fact that if God spoke to you right now, you would do exactly as he said. Are you hearing those words? Yeah? Stick that one in your thought locker. Yeah, that's a promise that you've just made right here, right now, that if he spoke to you, do what he said. This church, yeah, this church is full of believers. God lives here. We just spoke about it. Ruth just prophesied of it. God is here. Yeah, he's present here. The Holy Spirit is present here. Jesus is here with us right now. You are stewards of his spirit. Okay? Put that in your thought locker right now. You are stewards of his spirit. Okay? So we've got those things, right? There's just just a really quick recap. All scripture is God-breathed. Jesus is on every page, yeah? Ultimately, all of this, everything we do is about the simple message of the gospel. So powerful. This is what's being prophesied, yeah? By, By some of our lead prophets. Faith in and of itself without works is dead. Okay? And if God spoke to you right now, you'd all do exactly as he said. Yeah, that's the recap. So what we're going to do now, if you can bear with me, I'll tell you a bit about myself in a minute, but we're going to read Isaiah 58. Naomi, you're you good to share it? All right. Naomi's going to read this. What version have you gone? Yes, oh, very nice. Not passion. This is GCC. <laughs> all right, Naomi. All right. Isaiah 58, cry aloud, do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their transgression, to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways, as if they were a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the judgment of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. Why have we fasted and you, not, and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? Behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day 
will not make your voice to be heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose, a day for a person to humble himself? It is a day to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him. Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? Is this not the fast that I choose, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house? When you see the naked, to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh. Then shall your light break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your regard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and he will say, Here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness, If you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as noonday. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. And your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall rise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets to dwell in. If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, and the holy day of the Lord honourable, If you honour it, not giving your own ways or seeking your own pleasure or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Awesome. There's that Pentecostal word again. Awesome. Thank you so much. Brilliant. That's exactly what I need. Just I'm glad I'm not pregnant during the build-up. <laughs> um, okay, first, first of the thought locker ones are coming out, yeah? How did that end, Naomi? The voice of the Lord has spoken. Yeah, it's, an, it's, it's just a powerful, powerful passage, and I'll tell you the story of how it came to me in a minute. But this is a conversation, Yeah? 4,000-ish years ago. And it's got as much relevance today as it did then. But this is a conversation from God to all of mankind. This is Him giving us word, yeah? I spoke to you before. Second of the thought locker moments is coming out, yeah? We've all said if God spoke to us right now, we would listen to what He had to say and we would do what He had to say. The voice of the Lord has spoken. What we're going to do in a minute is break that down. I'm going to have a look at what it exactly means. Okay, but first of all, let me just tell you a little bit of a story about me. 
after I promised you this is not about me. All right. I uh, currently, apart from being married to a beautiful wife, my wife Nicole, I have three daughters because God's got a sense of humour. And uh, we live in Darwin, Northern Territory. It's not a place either of us would have expected to, to be in. Uh, my wife, Nicole, was the daughter of a Zimbabwean tobacco farmer, and they were kicked off their farm at the beginning of 2000 at gunpoint. It was very violent. Okay, there's immediately an example of some really chronic dysfunctionality. I now work, I work up here as a police officer. I've been a police officer for 17 years between Western Australia and here. Almost all of my time has been spent working in remote police and uh, remote Aboriginal communities. I worked in the north of WA in the Kimberleys. I came across to the Northern Territory. I've worked in Darwin. I've worked in Catherine, Tennant Creek, Alice Springs. My dear wife's been dragged all through those places with me and our children. And I'm back in Darwin. I've worked most of that time as a detective in remote and task force, mostly task force type work, but in remote, working in remote communities. I've worked on some of the bigger jobs that have happened over the last few years. Um, this last 12 months I've spent at the police academy doing instruction, as I explained, on preparing young and new police officers on what it's required for them to work in a combat environment and in what is largely a dysfunctional community that we live in. And unfortunately, I've had to witness some of that dysfunctionally straight up. I've seconded for the last four months back onto the shooting job that happened recently and, and have, uh, that's given me a completely different insight. That's dysfunctionality on a different level. That's we're looking at dysfunction, the dysfunctionality of the drug and underworld of Darwin in relation to this, as opposed to the dysfunctionality in communities. Um, and I'll, I won't go into too much detail, but needless to say that the, the heart and the eyes of dysfunctionality probably most readily come to me. Uh, I, I worked in a I got called in the middle of the night to go to a remote community in Western Australia place called Turkey Creek Warman, for those who are familiar with the top end, to what originally came through as the community in uproar and riot. And it turns out that that community was in uproar. It was over the death of a small child that had happened there and at the hands of, of, of that young child's father. And some of the things that occurred there in that, in, 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 in relation to her death are unspeakable. And I won't go into the details now. But it was a level of dysfunctionality and brokenness that I just can't even describe. The average person here who sees this dysfunctionality every day just can't get their head around some of this stuff. And the thing that's the saddest for me is it's repeated over and over and over again, wherever I've gone. And the story only changes by degree. And ultimately what it comes down to what it really comes down to, what I've observed over time, is that the world's broken. Yeah, we can say that. It's cliche now to say that the world we live in is broken. But really, what's making it broken? What I see when I see a broken world is families broken. 
that's where it's broken first and foremost. Whenever I see the most dysfunctional people around here, what I see is broken family. We see brokenness at the earliest stage. What I've learned over time as I've studied and I've got into other things is that there's terms for this stuff. What causes it? Postmodern existentialist worldview, that's the academic word. What does that mean? What, it really, what that means is that it's selfie world, yeah? Did you need me to give you that academic term to say that we live in a selfie world? Yeah? How familiar is this picture? That's the world we live in. We live in a world that is, de is defined by the screen that we look at. It's defined by how we depict ourselves. Again, Ruth spoke about the, prophet, the prophetic word, yeah, that we would look at our identity. At the moment, our identity, what postmodern existentialism tells us is that we define ourselves, that we're defined by our Instagram picture, that we're defined by the, the, the view that we have, the amount of clicks that we have on our Facebook page. That's what defines us. That's what defines how good we are and what we do. We're defined by our successes, by the amount of money that we've got, how good we look. That's what we live in. We live in this world that is self-driven. And that is what leads to dysfunctionality. They are directly linked. The world we, need, with the world we live in now needs role models. It needs good examples of loving families Faithful fathers, nurturing mothers. Let's go back to faithful fathers. I read these, the most ridiculous statistics. These were based in America. But there was, I'm going to get these somewhat wrong, okay? So don't write them down and quote me on them. But ridiculous percentage. 80, 80, over 85% of prisoners in correctional systems in the United States came from fatherless families. Hey, Wow. Think about that. More than 75% of youth suicides are from fatherless families. Yeah? Talk about a problem that can be solved like that. Yeah? If we know the cause, we can fix the problem. It's unreal, isn't it? You can keep going on. Those statistics just keep going on and on. Children who come from homes with a loving father in it are five times more likely to go on and have a successful career. It's unreal. Yeah, the world needs faithful fathers. Above else, the world needs Jesus. Yeah, and I know we know that. We know that in this room. The world needs Jesus. The world needs to know the gospel story. That's why my heart's lifted when we hear prophetic words that the gospel is going to spread. Yeah? Let me tell you a little analogy. Some of you may have heard this before, but we need to hear this. It's the story of the father who's at home. Mum's had to go off to work. He's usually very busy, yeah, and he's now got to babysit, or as my wife reminds me, it's parenting just because your dad, it's not babysitting. Okay? It's parenting, yeah? So he's got a parent. He's got a parent. But he's busy, and he's got to write a paper, so he said, how can I entertain my young daughter? You know, she's about six, seven years old. How do I entertain her? He goes, I've got an idea. 
He said that the middle of the newspaper's got this big map of the world on it, map of the globe. So he gets a pair of scissors and he cuts out the map, cuts it out, cuts it out in little pieces. And he puts it down in front of her and he says, put the world back together. Just, just put that back together. And he goes, oh man, I'm the smartest dad on earth. Goes back, that's going to occupy her for hours. And he settles in and he starts writing his paper. And 20 minutes later, dad, I finished. What? Finished. He said, no way. And he comes out and he looks, he looks at the floor. And there's the map of the world all stuck back together with sticky tape perfectly. He said, how on earth did you do that? He said, well, it was easy, Dad. Whilst you were cutting out the map of the world, I was looking at the back. And on the back was a picture of a family. And I knew if I could put the family back together, I'd fix the broken world. Yeah? How cool is that analogy? It's so simple, isn't it? It's so simple. We've got to fix the broken family. So that was me. That was me. Looking at all this dysfunctionality. And okay, look, I'll give you a little bit of insight into me. I grew up in a Christian family. My grandfather was a larger-than-life Salvation Army minister, but he was, a, he was an evangelical pastor. He was a padre, a hero in war. He was one of these kind of guys that they were in Papua New Guinea and he, he won a bravery medal because they had troops locked in behind enemy lines and they hadn't been fed for two weeks starving. And he just said, against orders, I'm going to take my soup truck, go over the hill. And as he was going over the hill, he bumped a rock and took the muffler off his Jeep. So the thing sounded like a tank quite literally, and the Japs took off, and he ended up coming in and rescuing this battalion, yeah? <laughs> Power of God. He says every day. <laughs> yeah, it's unreal, huh? But this, this is this guy. You know, he was larger than life. Um, and, and we kind of all grew up living in that shadow. The guy was unreal. I can remember going as a kid to... He ran boys towns always over there and I can always, he'd rock us up on a Saturday morning and you're going to play football today. And we said, Pa, we, we don't like it. They, they beat us up. He goes, that's all right, witness to them while they're beating you up. And that was how we grew up, yeah. And it was a big family. There was lots of us there. So like a lot of MKs, ministry kids, I hit 18, man, and that rubber band went like this. Pow! And I just took off. I ran away as hard as I could. And I'll let you in a little secret. Just before I took off on my prodigal son journey to go out and discover, rediscover Jesus, he eventually caught me up and tackled me down and beat me up and brought me back. I, I was prophesied over. And I'm looking at Phil as I say this because I know I'm not the only one who's the prophetic word over him for this same word. I, I had a word spoken over to me at 17 about being an evangelist and standing up and preaching and speaking in front of people. And that probably sent me running 100 miles an hour. So what I would urge you, people like Phil, who I know I've seen this, he's, the guy's got a gift over his life. He's going to stand up in front of people and he's going to speak more of what you did. It's powerful, man. Don't run away, yeah? Don't run away. When I look back and I think about where I could have been right now, I mean, I'm exactly where Jesus wanted me to be. I'm not living in regret. But that's, we've all got a story. We've all been there. We've all been subject and exposed to that dysfunctionality. Yeah? But we all, all of us, we're all short of grace and we can all be exactly who he wants us to be. 
Yeah, that's, that's the important thing of this story before we break down Isaiah 50, 58 anymore. So I ask myself, I, I, I ask God, what, there's got to be a better way. I'm watching this dysfunctionality. And then he gave me Isaiah 58. What a powerful piece of scripture. It's unreal, this scripture. I'm not going to go back and read through, but Naomi did an awesome job, by the way. Let's thank her for that. Great job, Naomi. Thank you. Why Isaiah 58? Okay, let's just, let's just look at a couple of things. This, this chapter, this passage starts with the people inquiring. Why have we fasted, they say, and you've not seen? Why have we afflicted our souls and you take no notice? This is a familiar story, isn't it? God, God, God responds through Isaiah. He's identifying this people. He immediately identifies our hypocrisy. In fact, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure and exploit all your laborers. Indeed, you fast for strife and debate and to strife, strike with the fist of wickedness. You will not fast as you did this day to make your voice heard on high. Is it a fast that I've chosen? A day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head like a bulrush and to spread out sackcloth and ashes? Would you call this a fast, an acceptable day to the Lord? Okay, what do we got here? This is, this, really, let's, let's put this into modern speak. What the people are doing is they're saying, hey, we're here, we're doing this, we're being righteous, we're going to church every Sunday, uh, we take up offering, we sing praises, we, we, we're bending down, we're praying, we're, we're, we're speaking, we're, we're praying in tongues, we, um, we fast and we, 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 we're doing everything right by your word, but you're not listening, yeah? They're being really self-focused and self-centered, it's all about them, yeah? That's, that's pretty much the story of the Israelites as we go through the Old Testament, they're being really self-focused and self-centered. It's madness. Yeah, not us, eh? We wouldn't do that, would we? No, right? That's just me every day. And that's the first thing that struck me. In fact, I had one of those holy crap moments. It's God talking to all of mankind. This is God, as I said before, breathed on every word. This is God speaking to all of mankind. And he called me out in the first few verses. Let's just reconstruct that. Let's have a look. Reassess our lives. Think about what we're praying for every day. Best we pay attention, yeah? How does God want us to pray? I'm glad you asked because he put it here. It's Isaiah 58. Is this not the fast that I have chosen? All right, listen carefully. These are the words. To loose the bonds of the wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens to let the oppressed go free and that you would break every yoke. Yeah? Breaking bonds, freedom for the oppressed. What's missing out of that prayer that God says, the way in which he says, what's missing? Us. It's not self-focused. Yeah? It's straight away others focused. His purpose for fasting and prayer, straight from the scripture, it is not to share, is it not to share your bread with the hungry 
and that you would bring to your house the poor who are cast out. When you see the naked, that you cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh. Yeah? Let's put this in our speak. Look after the poor and disadvantaged. Share your food and feed the hungry. Share your home. Share your clothes. That's what he's saying. Don't just fast and ask for what you want in the world. Take the food that you would have given yourself today and give it to someone who didn't get it. Take the clothes, the shirt you're about to put on your back and go and give it to someone who doesn't have one. When you go into the air-conditioned house today, think about who you could shelter in it. That's what God's saying, yeah? It's not about you. It's about somebody else, yeah? Going back, this is about mindset. I spoke to you about this before. And I speak to the guys, my recruits. I, I did a lecture just on Friday on this, mindset, and how important it is. And I said to them, think about this, right? I can give you the best training in the world. I can teach you how to shoot a gun like John Wick. Some of the guys in here will know who I'm talking about, and girls by the looks. <laughs> I can teach you to shoot like John Wick, yeah? He's a super gunman. I can teach you to have all the skills in the world, but if you step out of the car and go in the wrong direction, you're going to die. Your skills matter nothing. It doesn't matter how much scripture you learn. It doesn't matter how much you study. It doesn't matter how smart you are. Yeah? If you are not walking with God, if you are not living that example, if you are not living your grace story, yeah, then you are at risk. It's all about mindset, and that's what this is all about. And let's look at what happens when we change our mindset. Yeah, we're still in Isaiah 58. That's why this is so good. Yeah. Then your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of God shall be your rear guard. Yeah. Our true needs begin to be met. We become his light in the world, his healing hand. Righteousness will go before us and the glory of God behind us. Yeah? It's that powerful and he wants us to understand. He then goes on to summarize it. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. Yeah? This is the, this is the answered prayer bit. This is the bit that you're asking for in the beginning. When you do things with others focused, then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger, the speaking of wickedness, if you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness and your darkness shall be as noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones. You shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. We will receive his perfect light, his perfect guidance, his satisfaction, a satisfaction of soul, physical strength, you know, the, the Bible often talks about healing of bones, that direct, the direct context to the healing of bones. 
And generally that's talking about physical healing. Physically, you will become stronger. You will receive healing. Everlasting living waters. Yeah? What does that sound like? That's the Holy Spirit. Yeah? We're 2,000 years before the Holy Spirit is officially given to us in Pentecost. Yeah? Jesus is on every page. You don't think he was there then? This is it. Everlasting living waters. Yeah? What will we achieve when we fast and pray with God's purpose? What can we achieve? I'm glad you asked because he keeps telling us. Isaiah 58 just keeps giving. Those from among you shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. Yeah, this is the core of the I-58 movement. This is what it's all about. Build, restore, raise up, repair. This is what the prophetic word is talking about, a season of change, a season of building, a season of revival. We just got to remember what we've got to do first. Why? Is, why is Isaiah 58 important? Why? Because it's God's heart spoken to all of us. All scripture is God breathed. Now I want to take you back. Luke 15, 1. We all know this story. We all know this story. This is the story of the farmer, his sheep, and we've lost one. Okay, we'll put this in modern speak. We've lost a sheep. And he's going to leave the sheep in the paddock and he's going to go off through the thickets and the brambles and the trees to find the lost sheep. He will not leave any of us behind. If anyone here hasn't heard the version of Reckless Love by Corey Ashmore, he does it live and he actually speaks this verse This is the motivation for reckless love. And he says in that verse that he was prepared. What if? He said it's madness. The reason he used the term reckless wasn't because it was wrong, because it was broken, because it was wrecked. He uses the term reckless because he said it's hard for us to understand that we would leave 99 sheep sitting here and go after one. But I'm so glad that he did that for me. Yeah, because I'm here today because of that, because of that word. That's reckless. As some would say, downright just ridiculous. That's how love. His love was so great that it bankrupt heaven. That's how great his love is. And I said to you at the very beginning, yeah, thought locker moment. We are stewards of his word. Yeah. It is our job. Jesus isn't here anymore to go after the one. He's in heaven, but he's stewards. He gives us. That's us. We are his stewards. We are the ones who are going to go and do that and rescue that one sheep. It's when we go and we break those yokes and we help those hungry and we help those. That's how we become living examples of our faith. That is how we act out our faith. 
It's when we do that that we have the opportunity to share the simple gospel. Yeah, that's what it's all about. Matthew 10, 7, 8. Matthew 10, 7 and 8. As you go, right, this, is the, this is what Jesus was saying to his disciples. When we we're talking about what, what do we do, what's our purpose, this is it right here. As you go, preach, saying the kingdom is he- of heaven is at hand. Yeah, that's the gospel we're preaching. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. That's it. Bill Johnson teaches, talks about this very, very, very simply about this. He said every day he has people coming into his office saying, what's my purpose? Should I get married? Should I not? Bill Johnson says, I don't know. Pick one. Preach the gospel, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. That's what we've got to do. Should I be a school teacher or should I be a missionary? I don't know. Pick one. Preach the gospel, heal the sick, raise the dead, yeah, cast out demons. That's our job. That's Isaiah 58. Yeah? You with me? What do I do? Do I uh, do kids ministry or do I go to university? I don't know. Pick one. Preach the gospel, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you were given, freely give. This is not about you. This is about everybody else. This is about those who are broken in this world that need Jesus' Love. They need it now. What do we do to apply Isaiah 58 to our lives? What is God asking you to do? He is saying, don't just pray for the oppressed. Feed them with your food. Clothe them with your clothes. Shelter them in your homes. And while you're there, preach the simplest message in the world, the gospel. You know, I'm, I'm going to close now, but this just this week, my brother who's a youth pastor in in Sydney, sent me a video post the Franklin Graham tour up here. It's great, great video. And it goes through each of the different venues around Australia. And what was amazing to me as I watched this video is that at each place, Franklin Graham preached a slightly different message. But he preached a simple message of the gospel. And we're all there. We witnessed it. Yeah, there are supposedly 2,000 practicing Christians in Darwin. There were, more, there were so many people at that place. There was people that were flooding forward. What did Franklin Graham do? He preached the gospel. That's what he did in a simple message. Be stewards of the Spirit. That's what we do. I, what, is I, what, is, what is I-58? I-58 is a movement, and we're looking for people. I, I, I'm not going to... Im- I'm not going to embarrass him, but I need to fill up here. <laughs> and I want Phil just to share with you quickly. All right, and then we're going to close in prayer. I told you, I'm, I, I, I'd love to pray for you. First and foremost, it's really important that we know, if you don't know Jesus here, if you don't know the story of the gospel, yeah, it's really simple. We broke away. Yeah, sin, sin took over the world and sin separates us from our God. And we are always searching to get back there. That hole in our life, those questions that just keep going over in our head, that search for pleasure, that search for success, that's you trying to find your way back to God. There's only one way back, right? He sent his son, he died on the cross for us. That's it. That is the answer. 
If you don't know that in your heart, later on we're going to give you an opportunity to pray about that, but you've got to know that first. Yeah? And what, we're, what I'd also love to pray with you, if you're searching for that answer, if you're searching for that breakthrough, let's just pray. The power of prayer is awesome. But Phil, if you don't mind, jump up. Phil's, Phil jumped in with I-58. Yeah, we meet together. It's really simple. What we do is we connect with young kids and young families out there that are broken. And we're looking for volunteers just to mentor, not with 100 people. We're not looking for a youth pastor to pastor 50. We're looking for one person to work with somebody. And we'll connect you with those people. Yeah, Phil took up that challenge. And oh, Chris isn't here today, some of the others. And I just want Phil to share a little bit about what's happened as he started sharing with some of these kids. I think I've shared a little bit of this already, but um, it's probably three months ago that we started doing this, and me and Andy just caught up with um, Chris and Chantel, and I think Esther was there, and we didn't really know what it looked like, but something just resonated in our spirits. We're just like, man, I want to be a part of what God is doing in Darwin, and this just feels like it's for me, so we want to be in, whatever that looks like. Um, And there's a family in Bagot that are... um, rascal kids that need a bit of loving so we just went down there we just bought a Maccas and just started doing trying to have build a, a relationship build a friendship with them and um, we knew that was going to be hard from the start just getting that friendship and getting that trust but persistence and just rocking up and getting knocked back at quite a few times and kids running around the back when we're driving in the front and hiding from us and everything was a bit of fun at the start but just keep on rocking up every week and just praying for these kids as well, like behind closed doors. Like I think prayer is such an important key to this as well. We've got some access to these kids now. We've got access to Bagot. We drive into Bagot now and there's kids running up to the car like, what are we doing? What are we doing? They want to hang out. And it's only been three months of hanging out with these kids. They're just living in a community where there's not a great deal of love. There's not a great deal of good going around there. But we can bring the light into that place and just the little yes that we say to God, God can just use that and we can be his hands and his feet. So it's exciting to see what's already started and it's excited to see what's going to happen and we just believe that God is on this and he's going to change this city and he's going to change the communities and he's going to change um, people's hearts to want to be a part of this too. So as Andy said, it's a, it's a movement and... If you feel it in your spirit that you want to be a part of it, then jump on board. So. Amen. Well yeah. <laughs> Phil and, and Tully, because you can't do that stuff alone. It's unreal. Um, he may or may not have told you about the fact that he took these kids, had planned to take these kids to Kununurra um, to go on a hunting trip. Cool, cool stuff. You know, they were going to go down and hunt pigs and do some stuff that these young kids love and when he turned up that morning, the two kids he'd planned, they weren't even there. So he went and grabbed another couple. Their parents gave a blessing. They went away. Before they'd even reached Catherine on their way to Kununurra, these kids were ringing going, hey, you left us behind. We want to come. We're, you know, these kids are posting on Facebook about what they're going to do and what's going on. And from that Monday morning, my phone was flooded. The community's ringing. Hey, when's Phil coming to take me? And when's Phil coming to take my kids? And it's unreal. So um, there's a hunger there, yeah, a hunger we need good mentors to be working with these people. Esther's got great stories. She's working with some young young girls up there. Do, do you want to share some stuff that you've been doing? They're here? Okay, cool, cool. And um, Anamika, is Anamika here tonight? Where's Anamika? 
She's in kids. Okay. Anamika, maybe not directly connected with I-58. Like I said, I-58's not me. It's not a church. It's not a business. It's a movement. What she's doing with Open Table, that's unreal. That's connecting. That's what we need. We need people connecting. We need mums who are happy to connect with mums. One of the greatest things that's happened out of what Phil's been doing is that dad for that family. And let me tell you from a policing perspective, that family is broken. Five kids, four of whom had been in Dondale. Yeah, these kids were at the high end of offending, stealing cars, breaking into houses, high-speed pursuits, that sort of stuff. Dad was estranged from mum. Not only have we seen a healing with these kids and not re-offending, but dad's connected and he's going on some of these events. And a lot I'd heard the other day is dad and mum are starting to talk again. So this is the power of healing and getting around and mentoring. That's what we want to see. So for those of you who are interested, please come see me, come see Phil, see the other guys. You're more than welcome. See Esther, see the other guys. We're more than happy. Where's I also saw Luce around before. Yeah, come and see us, have a chat, connect with us on Monday. We're looking at breaking the youth arm away and meeting on another night in the week. But come see us. This is what I-58's all about. But hey, thank you. What I'd love to do to close this message, um, Tully, if you want the worship guys, you want to come and jump up. Um, kids are coming back in. I appreciate that we're going to close the service and do this. Um, if you don't, if you haven't met Jesus, I want to pray with you right now. So what I'd love us to do is first of all, let's just close our eyes. Just where you are in your seat, close our eyes in prayer. And I know kids are coming in, but that's cool. My kids will run amok on the stage more than anybody else's. Just close your eyes. Firstly, I want to pray that if you don't have that relationship with Jesus and you don't know him, do not let another minute pass without knowing. Okay, you will know right now because he will be knocking on your heart. Your heart will be racing. Not here to embarrass you. We're not going to cause a fuss. Just raise your hand up. Yeah, raise your hand up if you would like us to pray with you right now. We'll do that. That's awesome. We'd love to see a good hand. <laughs> and we will, we will pray with you. Okay. And in fact, while we're all here, we'll pray in the, play, in the space. Father in heaven, I just want to pray for those now. And if you don't know Jesus, just pray. We're all going to pray this together. Father in heaven, I know that I'm searching for you. And I know that this sin is holding me up. And sin comes in different words, but sin is holding me back. Father, I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe that he died for those sins. And I want to accept him into my heart now and to lead my ways. Forgive me of my sins, Lord. Wash me clean and teach me your ways. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. What we'll do, because I know the kids are coming back in, we've been here for a long time, is that we'll just close the service and we'll say in prayer. If you'd like to pray, and I'm sure Dave will come up and there'll be others in the prayer team, please come up. I'll hang around up here. I'll talk to you about I-58. I'll pray with you if you want prayer. All right, but let's fellowship together. Let's talk. Have a chat with the other guys from I-58, Phil, Esther, Lucy's over there, um, Dave 
himself. All right, but let me, let's just close in prayer all together. Father in heaven, we thank you for being able to meet together. We thank you for being able to share your word. We ask, Lord, for a stirring of the spirit, Lord, a commitment in our hearts. We ask, Lord, that we would, that 